Um, anybody in here ever try to get ahead of God from time to time? We're, we're trying to give God wisdom and direction and tell him how to do things. And so I guess the question really becomes, when, when did the pot get to tell the, the, the potter how to do it? Um, and that's kind of the way I find myself sometimes as, as God the potter is making me into the vessel he wants me to be. I'm sometimes like, well, God, I don't like that particular part. Can we change that out? Um, and, of course, we know that that's not a healthy way of trying to follow God. Uh, needing to let him lead us. So if you have your Bible, let's turn to Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, and I trust that you guys know what to do from there. Uh, Joshua 3, verses 1 uh, through 4. So what we see here is, uh, we've read this numerous times now, but we're going to see a particular passage that we're going to pay close attention to this morning. Um, Joshua's getting ready to tell the people to let's go. Uh, you need to be prepared, but here's what you must do in order to know where you're going. You are to allow the ark, uh, which of course represented the presence of God. You're allow that. You're, you're to allow that to go ahead of you to go first. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Father, we ask this morning that you would give us wisdom because, Lord, we're looking at a landscape in our country and in our world that we've never seen before, personally. Now, the, the history has seen it. History has seen what happens when Christianity is no longer the, thrive, the, the, the driving force behind policy and the driving force behind uh, what drives us in Washington, what drives us in the other governments through, throughout our, our world. They've seen this happen before. And, and what takes place is, is just very, very hard on the church, very hard on the believers. And so, God, this morning, may we allow you to lead us through this. Because you've been there. You know what it is, God. You, you have experienced when people have turned their backs on you. And so, Father, may we pay attention to your word. May we pay attention to what you've already given us and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, I am one of those who firmly believes that life is about to change uh, for a lot of us, uh, especially preachers, um, things that are going to be challenged for us to be able to preach. Um, a lot of these guys that, that went out and, and thought change was good, uh, I pray that when they find out what all is about to take place within our churches, that um, they will certainly fall upon their knees and repent for leading us to a place that is going to allow such uh, challenges in the pulpit. We have never been in a place in, since I've been alive where uh, people were so afraid to speak biblical truth. It has become offensive. It has become uh, all types of things for the world that we live in. Anything but accepted is what we're dealing with in our world today. Nobody wants to hear the Bible. Nobody wants to hear the truth. They just want to be told that their way is good enough and everything is going to be all right. 
Uh, unfortunately, that is not a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview is God's always right. God's word is always right. And he is not needing permission from us to uh, speak into our lives. Uh, he doesn't need permission from us to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, instead, God's going to do what God's going to do, whether we like it or not. And the church has to have a backbone. The church has to have conviction. And the church has to stay true to the word. Now, there's more to it than what a lot of people focus on. Uh, it's not just about the way we look at marriage. It's not just the way that we look at um, uh, abortion. But the truth is, the biggest attack is what happened way back in Genesis. The biggest attack that we are facing in our world today is an attack on the Word of God. That is the biggest attack. That is the one thing uh, that is happening in our churches. You look at all these big preachers who have all the big money. Those guys don't preach truth. They preach feel good, make you happy, so you'll give us money, and that's how they preach. They have changed God's word. There's no more conviction with it. Instead, it's, hey, don't worry about it. As long as you're here, everything's going to be all right. And we're going we're gonna to look at some of the chapters that they use, some of the chapters in the Bible that they use to prove their type of thinking, but we're going to find out that their type of thinking doesn't always work. So you and I must be ready to go forward in the world that we live in, and we must be ready to go forward the way we've always gone, in faith, in righteousness, seeking to please God, not seeking to please man. Watched a television show the other night that we've been watching for quite some time. I won't share what it is, but I have a feeling I probably won't be watching too much of that anymore because all of a sudden everything that they had been doing for years has completely changed now. A lot of our shows are starting to see this. We're, we're changing everything. You can't do anything anymore because you might offend someone. Uh, it, it's, it's crazy to me. We're living in a world where everything is changing, and it's changing faster, and we're, by, by the new administration, we'll be putting gasoline on those changes. Trust me on this. We have seen now following God is going to be important for these next four years. And by the way, if people don't agree with you, that is okay. Did you hear me? It is okay for people not to agree with you. Please, for the love of Almighty God, do not change who you are. Okay? Do not change who you are. You be faithful above all things. Moses understood this. And he was preparing the people to cross over. In Deuteronomy chapter 3, I mean 31, excuse me, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 31 Verses 1 through 8. Moses knows that his time is up. He is older, definitely older. He was 120 years old. Uh, Roger always speaks of the fact that he wants to be 100. He wants to live to be 100. I think that's awesome. I don't know that I want to live to be 100. Um, I probably haven't had as clean a living as Roger has. <laughs> I'm not sure that I want to be 100. 
but if I live that long, I live that long. But, but here Moses is 120. He realizes that his time has come. But more important than that, he knows he's not crossing over. Can you imagine being the, the leader of God's people and then finding out that your temper got you to a point that you cannot cross over? A lot of us think that our little temper tantrums we have, people should just get over them. Well, God doesn't. There's consequences to what happens here. And so what we see is uh, in, in uh, verse 1, then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. So everybody's listening, okay? And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over the Jordan. Can you imagine the impact of those words that that had to have upon him? The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said, and the Lord will do them do them as he did to Sihon and Og and the kings of the Amorites and their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you that which... or excuse me, that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with the people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall cause them to inherit it. The Lord... He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Moses understood that these people were about to head into a place they had never been before. This was brand new. This was something that that, uh, they did not know how to experience. They didn't know what was going to be ahead of them. But the one thing they were assured of is that God had it covered. I want you to listen to me. No matter what we face in these next few years, God has it covered. God has been there, done that, and he made the t-shirt, okay? This is who we're talking about, a God who understands what we're about to face. He knows what it is when people turn their backs. He knows what it is when religious people claim that they have a higher authority than the Bible. They have a more moral right than the word of God. Folks, there is something wrong with people today, and we're living amongst a lot of people who are absolutely wrong, but they are so right in their own mind, it's hurting them. But I'm telling you, be faithful. Be faithful. No matter what we see, no matter what we say, no matter what we hear, we must be willing to be faithful. We are going to face some hard times. We're going to face some changing times. But you and I better not change. We must be who God has called us to be. Moses understands this. And what does Moses give them? The best advice he gives them is, listen, God's going before you. Follow him. Go with him. Don't get ahead of God. Folks, I don't know about you, but I'm really good at this. Like, one of my greatest traits that I hate, (laughs) one of my strongest traits, I should say, not my greatest, but probably one of my worst traits, but it's one of my strongest, is I love to tell God, are you sure? that that's the right way to go. God, are you sure that's the direction you want us to go? Lord, I've got a different way. God, I've got a different idea. Lord, if we did it this way, maybe it would be easier on me. 
God's way is the right way and it's the only way. And Moses said, listen, you better let God go before you because as long as you let God go before you, everything that he did on this side of the Jordan, he will do on that side of the Jordan. And as long as you let God lead, you will possess everything that's ahead of you. But if you get ahead, you're going to be in trouble. Folks, times are changing, but God is not sitting there on his throne going, what am I going to do? That's what I want you to understand this morning. God's not sitting there trembling going, we've got to figure this out. No, no, God says, I've already got this figured out. This is part of the plan. This was going to happen. This is where sin leads. Sin eventually leads to people saying that the life of the unborn is not important. The life of those who get older. Have you seen one of the guys that's going to be on Biden's new council? He's basically saying you shouldn't live past 75. Well, our president should be dead. The president-elect should be dead. You got to pay attention to what's being said. You got to pay attention to who's in leadership. This stuff is insane what they're talking about. And folks, that's about what's to, that's what's about to be leading us here in the United States. Somebody said one time, well, you know, God's bigger than that. Folks, God's bigger than that, but he warned us eventually he would give us what we asked for. And guess what? We're about to we're about to receive what everybody's been asking for for a long time. The church needs to quit being a country club and needs to become a battleground, a battleship, a place where it's strong and true and prayed up and and people understand the word of God and they know what's happening, they know what's going on. But instead, we're looking at people saying, listen, it's going to be okay. Just give us a no, it's not going to be okay. And that's the way it's got to be. Things are going to change. But God is not sitting there going, what am I going to do? Instead, God is confident. That his plans will prevail. Satan is going, oh, I'm getting it. I'm getting it done. I am winning victories. Satan thinks that he's going to defeat God. But if you've ever read the book of Revelation, Satan exactly, he inflates his ego so bad that whenever it's finally time for it all to end, all God does is the same thing he did whenever he made this world. He speaks the end of Satan. Isn't that cool? God spoke us into creation. He is going to speak the end of the devil. A lot of people think, well, you know, the devil is going to be the leader in hell. Listen, there will be no leaders in hell. Hell is going to be hell. There will be nothing but misery, gnashing of teeth. There's not going to be some sort of leadership in hell. They're all going to be of the same thing. They will be without God which is the worst thing you could ever imagine. You know how I know that? Because look what happened to Jesus when God had to turn his back on his son. He couldn't look upon the sin. What happened? Darkness across the entire world. Moses says you better make sure that God goes ahead of you. But then there are those preachers who say, yeah, but you know what? As long as you're faithful, God's going to make sure you succeed. But what is the idea of success? Is success your bank account? Is success uh, promotion at work? Or success spiritual growth? For the church, for the Christian, it should be spiritual growth. It should not have anything to do with your bank account. It should not have anything to do with your, with your job. It should have to do with your personal integrity as a believer. That's what's important. Daniel chapter 6. If you have your Bible, turn there with me to Daniel chapter 6. Liars, lions, and prayer. And it's okay if you go, oh my, right? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. 
We've got this lions, liars, and uh, liars, lions, and prayer. Uh, you've got this group of men who are going to come against Daniel. Uh, they're going to they're going to make up a uh, something so bad that that Daniel will break the law against his uh, king by being faithful to his God. And um, in their hearts, they're lying men who are coming against him. There's going to be a lion's den, and we're going to find Daniel though before that in prayer. It pleased Darius. Daniel chapter 6, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave uh, thought to him, uh, or setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could not find any charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Man, you know what it sounds like to me? God's going to just take care of Daniel all the way. Daniel will just be perfect. There will be no harm come to Daniel. There will be no trials come to Daniel. Because if you listen to a lot of these preachers that are preaching to you on TV, they're saying, if you'll just listen to Daniel, if you'll just be faithful, God will just bless you, bless you, bless you. Verse 5 says, Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree. Now, first of all, we know they're liars because they said what? They said all of them have come together. Not true. Do you think Daniel was included in any of these meetings? Absolutely not. It says, and whoever petitions any god or, or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. You ever done something and later regretted it? Yeah, this man's about to regret this. Verse 10 says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Daniel understood. Daniel knew. Listen, there has been a decree signed. We're We're to seek nobody other than King Darius. But... I have a commitment to the one true God. And what does Daniel do? Knowing that this has been signed, knowing that this thing could happen, what does Daniel go home and do? Daniel goes home and he remains faithful, right? Even though the rules have changed, even though the laws have changed, even though there's been this decree, and along with this decree, there is the potential to be cast into the den of lions. Daniel says, I'm sorry, but I first must be true to my one true God. So he opens the windows. He doesn't do it privately. Uh, a lot of these people say, well, you know, I can still be a Christian privately. No, you can't. No, you can't. Folks, if you cannot proclaim God openly, you're not a believer. If you fear persecution because of your Christianity and so you get quiet about it, that's not a believer. Daniel opened the windows. Then Daniel 
has this moment in the upper room. And it says, he knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man... Uh, who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den. Then the, the king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law, the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decrees that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Folks, people are going to be watching you. You hear me? As a believer that stands up, they're going to be watching you. People are going to be paying attention. My prayer is that they will find you what? Faithful. They will find you faithful. These men have counted. Not just once did he break the law. Not just twice did he break the law. But three times this man broke the law. And the king, when he heard these words was greatly displeased with himself and said in his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Isn't that amazing that this one man who believes more in himself than he does in his own God looks at Daniel and says, listen, I made a big mistake, but I'm putting my faith in the very God you prayed to. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. So far, it sounds good for Daniel, right? He was faithful. All is well. God's going to protect him. There's no trials that are going to come his way. Not true. What's happened to Daniel now? Where's he at? He's in the lion's den. It says, Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, of, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Folks, I don't know about you, but if I'd have been Daniel, I'd have been real quiet. Right? I'd have just kept my mouth shut the whole time. I'd have, been I'd have wanted him to peek his head in. But what happens? Then Daniel said, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they, sh- they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take, up, or take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. You remember what happened next? The king called for those men who had accused Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den. And the Bible says before they even hit the bottom, they were already in the mouth. 
of the lion. You're like, see, Brother Tom, if we're just faithful, God will just bless and bless and bless and bless. It'll be amazing. That's not how that works, folks. Yes, God will bless, but there will still be trials. There will still be issues. You say, well, yeah, well, what about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were faithful, and God kept them from the fire. Yes, they knew that God could keep them from the fire, and they were found faithful. And if you base all of your next four years upon what happened to these men, you will give yourself a false sense of security. Folks, I'm telling you that if we're going to stay faithful to the word of God, some of us are probably going to suffer because of it. You may not get that promotion. You know why? Because you're a Christian. You see, you can, you can, or by the law, you have to show no discrimination to anyone, qualified or not. But if you're a Christian, I've got news for you. You're going to be able to be passed over time and time again, and the law will most likely be okay with that. Welcome to 2021. A lot of changes are coming, and people think that they have helped the situation. All they've done is made it worse. You say, well, Brother Tom, these men all made it. Yeah, well, what about the disciples? They followed God. Matthew suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia, killed by a sword wound. John faced martyrdom when he was boiled. You remember the, the writer of Revelation? The one that didn't die from persecution? Don't don't get don't don't get all caught up in that because listen he was persecuted listen to what happened to him he was boiled in a huge basin of boiling oil during a wave of persecution in Rome however he was miraculously delivered from death John was then sentenced to the mines on the prison of the island of Patmos he wasn't there on vacation when he wrote the book of Revelation it was a prison sentence. He wrote this prophetic book of Revelation on Patmos. The apostle John was later freed and returned to what is now modern-day Turkey. He died as an old man, the only apostle to die peacefully. The only one to die peacefully. James, the brother of Jesus, maybe wasn't necessarily officially an apostle, but was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He was thrown from the southeast pinnacle of the temple over 100 feet down when he refused to deny his faith in Christ. When they discovered that he survived the fall, did you catch that part? 100 feet, he, he survives the fall. His enemies beat James to death with a club. This is thought to be the same pinnacle where Satan had taken Jesus during the temptation. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, was a missionary to Asia. He witnessed in present-day Turkey and was martyred for his preaching in Armenia, being flayed to death by a whip. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross in Greece. After seven soldiers whipped Andrew severely, they, tried, uh, they tied his body to the cross with cords to prolong his agony. His followers reported that when he was... Uh, his followers reported uh, that cords, or that when he was led to, toward the cross, Andrew saluted it in these words, I have long desired and expected this happy hour. The cross has been consecrated by the body of Christ hanging on it. 
he continued to preach to his tormentors for two days until he died. Is this not an amazing, amazing act of faithfulness? The Apostle Thomas was stabbed with a spear in India during one of his missionary trips to establish the church there. Matthias, the Apostle chosen to replace the traitor Judas Iscariot, was stoned and then beheaded. The Apostle Paul was tortured and then beheaded by the evil Emperor Nero in Rome in A.D. 67. There are traditions regarding the other Apostles as well, but not exactly as strong of evidence as these that we've mentioned. You say, Brother Tom, are we going to face hard times? Folks, if we don't, then the Bible's a lie. If we don't face hard times, the Bible is not true. So let me ask you this question. Why are you here? Why are you alive? What is your purpose? As Christians, we are to follow God through his word and through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We will have some victories along the way, but we could ultimately wind up like the disciples and the apostles who followed Christ. And my friend, you and I need to be okay with that. There are a lot of people who say, well, I would would die for Jesus. He's not asking you to die for him. He's asking you to, to live for him. Do you see the difference? I die for Christ tomorrow. But will you live for Christ today? You and I better learn to walk where we are not leading God, but instead he is leading us. Because we are about to face changing times in the world that we live in. But we must follow God. We must follow after God. If we don't, guess what? We probably never knew the Lord anyway. And oh, there are people who get mad when I say that. If you knew how many people have been angry with me after a service where I've shared that, just because you come to church, just because you've been baptized, just because you swear yourself true, doesn't mean you're a believer. Let me tell you how you know a person's a believer. Not when they're willing to die for God but when they're willing to live daily in the name of Jesus Christ. That's how you know a person is a believer. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you for your amazing love, your amazing grace. How powerful, Father, your words are to us. In your Bible, God, the word that you've given us, it is very true. You have not spared a word. You have not spared the details. God, they're there. We know them, and they are hard to hear sometimes. But, Lord God, we need to know that as we follow you, there will be some who will remain strong, and there will be others who will be persecuted. But yet they will be strong in the midst of their persecution. Lord, as we see the church attacked, the laws changed, pastors repenting, 
May we all become faithful. May we all be true to the one true God. If they outlaw us reaching out to you, God, may we raise our windows. May we fall on our knees. And may we seek you. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.